Recall with me, if you will, the story of the main character from Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables. Jean Valjean is a convict who spends years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread for his sister's child and trying to escape multiple times. When Jean Valjean is finally released, he finds that his reputation as an ex-convict makes him dangerous. No one is even willing to give him shelter for the night. It's the bishop of the town who takes him in and shows great kindness. Valjean repays his kindness by stealing his silverware. The police arrest Valjean and discover the silverware, which he then claims was a gift from the bishop. The police return him to the bishop, who affirms that he gifted the silverware to Valjean and hands over a few more pieces that he supposedly forgot. Valjean is stunned at the bishop's kindness and the final path to freedom. The bishop responds, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man. Jean Valjean, who had no recollection of ever having promised anything, remained speechless. Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you, and I give it to God. The bishop's actions reveal something profound. The idea of breaking the law or even sinning against the one who showed hospitality matters most when located within the framework of our relationship to God. Valjean had no reason to believe in the generosity of humanity, much less the possibility of God prior to his encounter with the bishop. When the bishop forgave Valjean, he implored him to spend the rest of his life becoming an honest man. But the unspoken consequence of the bishop's forgiveness was his awareness of the power of God's forgiveness. The bishop personally required nothing of him and even sacrificed his own belongings for Valjean's sake. What we get in Les Miserables is a beautiful human dance with the divine as Valjean explores forgiveness, generosity, and mercy. Les Miserables came to mind this week when I was thinking through cultural reference points to sin. Now, sinfulness is not a popular topic for polite conversation, much less worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, as we will be invited to do today. Doing that on a regular basis is a guaranteed way to not get invited back to the dinner party. But I think it's important to remind ourselves of what sinfulness is and is not and why any of it matters in the first place. Furthermore, who decides what is sinful and what is not, and what is required of us to atone for our sins? You all know, as well as I do, that the church has a checkered past in communicating and regulating the forgiveness of sins. So today I'd like for us to look at the collect and at the text of Psalm 51, which we will come to later in our liturgy, to set the container for the season of penitence that we call Lent. Psalm 51 holds the key to so many of these questions. The psalmist writes, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight 
so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Theologian Fleming Rutledge writes, The genius of Psalm 51 and the source of its ageless significance is this. In its impassioned petitions, the the psalmist demonstrated that he has learned to see sin as God sees it. When we see that sin is is an offense against the author of all goodness, that it floods in upon us that the goodness of the Lord is precisely the place where all our sin is lifted and done away with. The recognition of sin is our response to God's holiness and mercy. Against you and you alone have I sinned, the psalmist says. You see, sin is only sin when we connect it to God. To be clear, I am not saying that committing an act against another which requires repentance does not matter. It very much matters. But it matters not just because of the harm we cause that person, but because of the harm we cause God and ourselves. This is a very different understanding of sin from that which we have absorbed through culture or even the church, quite frankly. But here in scripture, in the very early text of the psalm, we are given the frame for framework for what makes our sins worth lamenting. Or in Rutledge's words, the combination of uttermost penitence and unconquerable confidence lies at the very heart of the knowledge of who we are before God and who he intends us to be. What scandal. This seems nothing like the shame and cause for constant self-loathing that often comes to mind when we speak of sin. Because after all, sin at bottom is not an ethical concept. It is a theological concept. Sin is only understood to be sin when God is understood to be God, says Rutledge. Our understanding of our sins and the forgiveness we receive is a reflection not just of who we are, but of who God is. So what does this mean for each of us? We begin the season of Lent with a reminder of our own mortality. But more than that, we are reminded of God's mark on our life. In a few minutes, I will place ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross, simultaneously reminding you of your mortality as well as your identity in Christ. The good news about these ashes is that they are a reminder that we are still a work in progress. I will impose upon you a reminder that you have been and need to be reconciled with God. Meanwhile, you are to carry out this ministry of reconciliation on God's behalf because at the core of your identity is God's fingerprint. There's one more piece of good news to remember this day. This is exactly the place and these are the people with whom we can and should be having these conversations. Christian community gives us not only the permission, but enough love and grace to allow ourselves to be seen as the sinners that we truly are. 
And this is for one reason, Rutledge writes. There is another who has taken the sentence upon himself, and in so doing has nullified it. Jesus, the Son of God, has voluntarily taken our place. He himself hung naked on the cross, bearing in his own body the storm of the wrath of God against sin. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made, and you forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Amen.